0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. We hope that it will encourage you as you seek to follow God and grow in your faith. If you would like to know more about our church, you can check us out at www.RitmanGrace.org or feel free to email us at RitmanGBC at AOL.com. But for right now, let's get into today's message. Ritman Grace, Brother and Church, how are you folks doing? It's good to be here with you. Uh, my name is Clark, and I'm one of the pastors here. If we've never met, stick around afterwards. I'd love to meet you and love to meet your family. Um, I always like to say this. If we have met, which I've met many of you, uh, stick around. I'd love just to catch up with you and see how things are going. Did anybody, by show of hands, get to go to the Ritman Sleepwalker Festival? Anybody here at all? All right, a few of you. Yeah. Uh, I got to go yesterday with my son, and he really liked seeing those animals. So that was, that was a good time for him. And uh and me as well, even as you know, being thirty three I still enjoy still enjoy some good animals, you know. It's, it's good times. But we did order this uh these fries from one of the uh food trucks. And I don't know about you, but I love food trucks. Um so I got a large fry. They handed me uh they just put this big bucket of fries and I'm like, Is that thing filled with fries? And she was like, Yes and I'm like, Oh my goodness. So so me and my wife and son like So that was good. So the Rittman sleepwalk. Yeah, that's a good time. We're going to continue in our current sermon series that we've been in, uh, studying the Ten Commandments. And if you have uh, not been with us these past several weeks, we're actually kind of winding down. We're getting to the end of this uh, sermon series. We actually started it at the end of May. And so if you missed any of the past week uh, messages, I would just encourage you to go to our website RitmanGrace.org. You can get all caught up with any of those past week messages. Um, so we kind of laid the foundation at the very beginning when we started this series. We said this is a, a study in the Ten Commandments, and many people will see these Ten Commandments as being uh, constraining and restrictive. Uh, but we would encourage you to see them more as uh, something that's freeing, something that's actually liberating. If you think back to the context, uh, Exodus twenty. God gave these Ten Commandments to the Israelites after he freed them from their Egyptian captivity, uh, their slavery. In the same way, today, we could say as followers of Christ, God liberates us as Christians from Satan, sin, and death. And so whether it's the Ten Commandments or really even the whole Bible, we could say that that is freeing, that's liberating. We've walked through each of these commandments. Today we're actually um, entering uh, week nine. We're at the Eighth Commandment, which is you shall not steal. And it's been a heavy couple of weeks, hasn't it? Uh, A couple weeks ago, we talked about murder and malice. Uh, Last week, we talked about adultery and lust. And this week, we finally get to a commandment that only shoplifters and thugs need to worry about, right? The rest of us good, upstanding, morally conscious people can just rest easy. I wish it was that easy. (laughs) But fortunate, unfortunately, uh, I think we're going to be convicted again by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've been seeing the Ten Commandments in this uh, series. We see that they have a much broader scope. And uh, that's why the Ten points us to the gospel. Uh, Christ and the grace. So we're going to dive into the Eighth Commandment this morning. And uh, this is what Martin Luther actually says about the Eighth Commandment. He says this. The Eighth Commandment wherever there is just use this microphone right here so we can avoid all headaches (laughs) Martin Luther says the eighth commandment applies wherever there is taking and giving of money for merchandise or labor in other words this commandment speaks to the very real world of business uh, commerce in which we live every day Uh, if we think about buying and selling uh, trading and borrowing uh, working spending uh, we think about stealing or even being taken advantage of as part of the backdrop of our everyday lives here's what i mean by that Uh, you know just imagine what if you could count on every mechanic that works on your car to be trustworthy what if every contractor that you hired did excellent work and never cut corners what if every time you traded in a car you could be sure without a shadow of a doubt that you were getting a fair price I think the fact that you can't be sure of any of those things is part of what creates this quote unquote backdrop of sort of an anxiety in your everyday life and so this dynamic of theft um, it's let's just call it what it is, right? It's theft It's so much part of our everyday existence that even the Saturday Evening Post kind of poked fun at this uh, Take a look at this cover image Painted by Leslie Thrasher who's a contemporary of Norman Rockwell uh, These are two parties in an everyday transaction both seeking to tip the scale just a little bit in their favor this is what breaking the Eighth Commandment looks like at the grocery store. So let's dive in today, take a closer look at this commandment, you shall not steal. And I want to talk about four headings, under four headings this morning. I want to look at how we steal. I want to look at why we steal. And I want to look at what God wants from us instead. And then finally, how we get there. Right? How we steal, why we steal, what God wants from us instead, and then how we get there so let's start talking about this first heading how we steal Uh, in addition to just basic theft because I think a lot of us you know there's an obvious way that we all understand stealing and that's for example like shoplifting stealing theft but what are the other ways that we break this commandment I think there's at least four ways that we steal and the first one is deception deception Uh, look at what the bible says in leviticus chapter 19 verse 35 to 36 you can flip there if you want but i'll have it on the screen the bible says this you shall do no wrong in judgment in measures of length or weight or quantity you shall have just balances just weights a just ephah and a just hen which we all know what those are right no those are all ancient measures of quantity that's all you need to know I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Similarly, the book of Proverbs chapter 20 says this, the Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. So in an agrarian economy, one of the ways that you stole was using unequal weights and measures. That's the sort of joke that we looked at a second ago that Saturday Evening Post image was making. Does something weigh what you're actually paying for it? Uh, J.I. Packer, here's what he says about that. The modern-day equivalent of this sort of thing is the overpricing of goods and services. Uh, that's what deception looks like in the modern day. Let's see if I can turn these notes. This is this is a little challenging, but that's okay. So here's some questions that we might ask. If you're in business, uh, do you charge a fair price for the goods and services that you provide? If you're in medicine, do you order only the tests that a patient actually needs? If you're in the trades, do you bill only for the work that you actually do? Are you straightforward and honest in all of your dealings? That's the first way that we steal through deception. Now here's the second way that we steal. Exploitation exploitation, taking advantage of the poor and the vulnerable. Listen to what the prophet Amos has to say about this in Amos chapter 8. The Bible says this, Hear this, you who trample on the needy, and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, When will the new moon be over, that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath, that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make the ephah small and the shekel great, and deal deceitfully with false balances, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and sell the chaff of the wheat. You see again this sort of reference to false scales and balances. But notice what's particularly in focus in the prophet Amos here the exploitation of the poor, the exploitation of those who are vulnerable. So, why does God care? about just and fair business practices. Well, he cares because unjust practices hurt the poor most of all. Are you involved in taking advantage of needy and vulnerable people in any way? So I'll give you an example of one shape that this actually takes, and it's very common in the modern world, payday loan companies. These companies target people with poor credit, those who can't get a transaction or transactional loan from a bank. And so they're particularly vulnerable. Listen to the New York Times and what it says about this. This is very insightful. There are now more payday loans in the United States than there are McDonald's restaurants. The operators in these stores make around $46 billion a year in loan, collecting $7 billion in fees. A cash-strapped customer might borrow $400 from a payday lender. Catch this. The loan would be due two weeks later plus $60 in interest and fees. That is the equivalent of an annual interest rate of more than 300%. And you thought your credit card was bad. Because most borrowers cannot repay their debts quickly, the loans are often rolled over entangling those who take them and hard to escape spirals of ever-growing debt. So on the one hand, providing access to capital with poor credit is a good and necessary service, and it's complex, but doing so at 300% interest is exploiting the vulnerable and the needy. And this type of exploitation, that's the second way that we violate the command, the Eighth Commandment. So what would it look like? What would it look like for the kingdom of God to come into our community in this way, I think this is a problem for entrepreneurs, finance wizards to solve. But could the church, could Christians, put forward a viable business model that provides access to the capital that those who don't have it can get it in a way that's not exploitative as the systems that currently exist? I think that's a problem for Christ followers to to try to step in and be the kingdom of God. So we steal by deception, we steal by exploitation. Now here's the third way that we steal. Poor stewardship. Poor stewardship. Listen to what John Calvin has to say about this. If a shiftless steward or overseer devours his master's substance, fails to attend to household business, if he either unjustly spends or wantonly wastes the properties entrusted to him, if the servant mocks his master, if he divulges secrets, if in any way he betrays his life or goods, if the master, on the other hand, savagely harasses his household, all of these are deemed theft in God's sight so in light of that let's consider questions like this how do you treat the company vehicle that you drive how do you treat the tools that you use on the job how do you treat the client accounts that you're responsible for all of these are questions about stewardship poor stewardship is the third way that we steal and break the eighth commandment now here's the fourth way that we steal Stinginess towards God. Stinginess toward God. Did you know that God accuses his people of stealing from him? Listen to what God says in the book of Malachi, chapter 3. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Do you see what God is accusing his people of here? He's accusing them of being thieves. He's accusing them of stealing, of breaking the eighth commandment. And how is it that they are stealing? by not tithing, by not being generous with God. And I know some of you are probably thinking, I see what you did there, Pastor Clark. You turned this into a sermon on tithing. Guys, I'm just reading the Bible. We're just asking the question, very honest question, where does the Bible talk about stealing and theft and robbery? And this just so happens to be one of those places. And see, we have a tendency to think like this a lot of times, I've got some bills, I've got some obligations, I've got some things that I'm responsible for, but after that, if I have any money, then I'll give. Then I'll be generous. But I wonder, in light of what the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, if what God is saying to us through this prophet, what if the reason that you have financial stress and turmoil is the opposite of what we oftentimes think? Have you ever thought about, Just choosing to give to be generous with God taking him at his word I think God invites us in this text in Malachi 3 right here in these verses test to test him he says put me to the test go ahead try me at this one church see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down for you a blessing now listen I I know that there's people out there that do really weird and goofy stuff with this verse. And I'm not going to be one of those people. But here's what I can tell you. With my limited amount of years in in ministry, my past 10 years in ministry, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff happen. I've seen people who have told me stories about this text, and they say stuff like, you know what, we just decided that we were going to start giving. And I can't explain it. God met our needs. God showed up in ways that we did not expect. Psalm 37.25 says, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Why? Because God is faithful. So how do we steal? Four ways we don't commonly think about it. Deception, exploitation, poor stewardship, stiginess towards God. These things all fall under the scope of the Eighth Commandment. So, if that's how we steal, if those are some of the ways the Bible describes what breaking the Eighth Commandment looks like, I think the next question is, why? Why do we steal? There's at least two reasons the Bible gives us answering this question, why do we steal? And the first reason might surprise us a little bit, but the first reason is laziness. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. This is a really fascinating verse, because it's in the New Testament, it's in a book written to a church. And it's describing what a life changed by the gospel looks like. And it says this, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So why do we steal? Well, sometimes it's because we're lazy. It's easier to overcharge people for one sale than to hustle and make two sales. The the verse is telling us the flip side of the eighth commandment. When God commands us not to steal, he's commanding us to work hard and to be generous. That's what the positive side of this commandment looks like. So I want to invite us all to kind of step back and evaluate this morning. Where is there possibly laziness in our financial life? Where is there a lack of budgeting and stewardship and clarity? Where do we expect things to just come to us without working for it? Why do we steal sometimes? It could be because we're lazy. There's a second thing even deeper than laziness that causes us to steal and it's lack of trust. Lack of trust, just think about the deeper dynamics of our soul. Why are you prone to clutch and to grab and to take? Why aren't you more open-handed and generous with your resources? If you really think about that question, it's because we're oftentimes afraid that we don't have enough. Breaking the Eighth Commandment is rooted in the failure to trust God's provision. And Jesus actually puts his finger on this, on the Sermon on the Mount. And Ethan read it earlier, but let's look at it again. Jesus says, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of you of little faith? That's the real issue, isn't it? It's about trust. When we steal, what we're saying is, God, I can't trust you, or I won't trust you to provide for me. But I trust me, I trust myself, and I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Which is why Martin Luther said, we said this last week, but every commandment ultimately comes back to the first commandment, which is what? You shall have no other gods before me. If we really fear and really love and really worship God, then everything else will fall into its place. If we're not willing to trust God, then we will find a disposition in our hearts toward cutting corners, towards cheating, towards stinginess towards stealing so why do we steal fundamentally it's because we don't trust so that gets us to the third question right we said how do we steal we said why do we steal then the third question is what does God want from us instead what does God want from us instead I think the answer is probably obvious to us all by now all God wants from us is generosity that's rooted in trust here's how the Heidelberg Catechism frames the eighth commandment by the way if you're wondering what the Heidelberg Catechism is it's a Protestant confessional document and it takes the form of a series of questions and answers for teaching Christian doctrine so here's what the Heidelberg Catechism says specifically about the eighth commandment question what does God require of you in this commandment answer that I do whatever I can for my neighbor's good that I treat others as I would like them to treat me, and that I work faithfully so that I may share with those in need. See, what God wants from us is a generous life flowing from a deep trust and confidence in him. That's what God wants. He wants us to be generous and open-handed because we trust and are confident in him. And by the way, notice how practical That trust is let's look again at Ephesians chapter 4 again this is the Apostle Paul writing to a church in Ephesus about how to live out the gospel he says let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need so notice something because I think we get stuck here sometimes we have a tendency to think that God, uh, trusting God means sitting in the living room and praying and hoping that a check shows up in the mailbox. But Ephesians chapter 4 says trusting God might look like going out and getting a second job. Trust is not passive. Trust is not, let's just hope God meets our needs. Trust is maybe I just need to hustle a little bit. Maybe there's some work that I need to do. And notice that part about letting him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Uh, That labor and work is not a striving and clutching and a grabbing and a selfish labor. It's a trust labor. It's a worshipful labor, a labor that realizes God has given us a capacity to work. And when we use that capacity to bring an income and then be generous to others, that pleases and it glorifies God. It's a labor in the sense of trusting God. Martin Luther, once again, he says, you have a rich Lord who is certainly sufficient for you and will not suffer you to come short in anything or to want. Thus, you can with a joyful conscience enjoy a hundred times more than you can scrape together with unfaithfulness and wrong. Right? So because God loves you, because God, because God cares for you, you can enjoy his good gifts 100 times more then you would enjoy whatever you could get together by your unfaithfulness and stinginess and striving. So what does God want from us? He wants a life of generosity that flows out of a trust in him, a confidence in him, which raises the last question, how do we get there? How exactly do we get to that place? How do we get to the place where we trust God in an open-handed, generous, worshipful labor sort of way? How do we learn how to trust God? This is the core thing in many of our lives and souls. We learn to be careful who to trust for very good reason. When people say, just trust God, a lot of people think to themselves, I don't know what it even looks like to trust God. I have trouble with trust. And it's just part of how sin has broken and affected us. So how do I learn how to trust God? Well, it's not a how problem. You just do. You trust God's character. And how do you trust God's character? Why would you do that? Because he has proven his character by sending his son. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Just let that verse sink in for a minute. Do you hear the gospel logic of that verse? You're worried about whether God is going to take care of you? You're worried about whether God can handle your financial worries? Listen, he did not spare his own son. He always has given the most precious and valuable thing that he has. And if he's done that, Then how is he not going to do whatever else you need? You want to know how to why you don't need to steal? It's because God sent his son. He's proven his generosity. And so, in light of that, you don't need to steal, you don't need to exploit, you don't need to deceive, you don't need to be stingy. Why? Because God has demonstrated in Jesus Christ that he is absolutely worthy of your trust and your confidence. And that he will take care of every need that you have if you belong to him if you trust in Jesus if you rest in the Lord Jesus Christ there's nothing else that God can give you that is more valuable and more precious than his son Jesus you can trust him with everything else is any trouble in life really going to separate us from the love of God Paul says in that same text the answer is no and why do we know that? Because he already gave us his son. We already have the most valuable thing possible. And then in that Matthew 6 passage that we referenced a second ago, Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the birds. Jesus talks about the flowers. And he says, look, God clothes all of these. God takes care of all of these. Won't he also take care of you, you of little faith? I don't know if you noticed in that passage, but how many times he mentions anxiety in that passage. He says, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. He says, your father already knows what you need. He's going to take care of you. So what if this morning we repent of all of our grabbing, all of our clutching, all of our hoarding, all of our wasting of resources. Instead, we were to turn to Jesus and to trust his character and surrender to him. For some of us, that might be the first time that we choose to turn to Jesus and surrender. And What if you're, what you're doing when you do that is you're choosing to give up control of your life? It's saying, God, I'm repenting of my propensity to steal glory from you. It's to pretend as if my life is my own and I can do what I want with it. I want to turn from that and I want to to you and I want to receive the life of Christ given for me. I want to invite you to do that this morning, maybe for some of you for the first time. And I want to also invite you to get baptized if you haven't done that before. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward truth, right? It's like a wedding ring. It, it just shows you that you have made that decision to follow Christ in discipleship. I want to invite you to do that this morning and I want to invite you to get baptized and join the community of people who have trusted in God. We talked about that connect card earlier. You can find those on the back table and we would love to help you take those next steps. Perhaps some of you this morning, the Holy spirit has convicted you and perhaps some aspect of deception or exploitation or poor stewardship, whatever it might be. Maybe you need to turn from that and open your hand and trust and surrender And say, God, instead of my grabbing and my clutching and stealing and disposition, I want to repent of that. And I want to turn from that. And I want to open my hands and my life to you, to trust you and really believe that you are out for my good, that you sent Christ for me so that I can count and trust in you. Would you trust? Would you turn to Jesus and repent and surrender this morning? Let's not be a people who steal. Let's not follow. Let's together choose to follow the wisdom of Ephesians chapter 4 let the thief steal no longer because we don't need to God has given us all that we need in Christ so let's instead labor and work and be generous because that's what God has redeemed us for let's pray together Lord we come to you this morning and we just want to acknowledge your presence that you're here with us and Lord we just want to praise you for your beautiful gospel for your sending your son to be born the baby in the manger that would grow in wisdom and stature to perform miracles to teach in synagogues to grow to be the man on the cross who would take our sin upon him absorbing the wrath of god raising from the grave conquering Satan's sin and death interceding for our prayers even right now, that same God. Lord, we surrender to you. We, we trust you. We pray for those that may be doing that for the first time this morning. We pray for anybody who is on the fence, kind of straddling the fence of whether they want to go public and get baptized. And Lord, we pray for those this morning that need to turn and, and repent from their, their sins and from their ways of, of going against your eighth commandment. Lord, help us to to be a blessing to you as we go about our week. Help us to, to represent you as your ambassadors. Help us to be your ministers of reconciliation because you, we can love others because you loved us first, because we are forgiven. We can go and represent you as your followers, your followers, Jesus. Lord, help us to, to be a blessing to you this week. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about our church, please visit www.ritmangrace.org or email us at ritmangbc at aol.com.